Hi, it's Charlotte. Welcome to the edition podcast. Quick note before this week's episode begins. Uh, we recorded it. I, I'm joined by Adrian Wickler and we recorded it before Apple announced its huge deal with Major League Soccer that will cover a decade's worth of exclusive rights. So that's not included in the conversation, unfortunately. But I will cover it elsewhere on the edition. So make sure you're subscribed at theedition.substack.com. And you'll get everything there. Uh, I should also note, if it sounds like we weren't at our usual desks and were on the go, it's because we were. I hope you still enjoy the conversation, though. Thanks very much. Hello and welcome to the edition podcast with me, Charlotte Henry. We've got a lot to unpack. Now that Apple's WWDC, Worldwide Developers Conference, has come to an end. Finally, there was obviously the big keynotes at the beginning of the week and a load of stuff online and in Cupertino throughout the rest of the week. Uh, And I'm really excited today to be joined by someone who was actually there on the ground with other real human beings. Adrian Wetclub, Irish Independent. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yes, and uh, I was delighted to be there in person at Apple's first major in-person conference in a couple of years. Um, Mm. And even though it was in person, what we saw was not that different from what you saw because they actually brought us out into uh, the recreational field in the middle of Apple's headquarters, gave us deck chairs, gave us Factor 30 sunscreen, and then played the same VT that you saw. Tim Cook came out in person to greet us. Then Craig came out. But then after that, we saw the same 90 minutes that you saw before going into uh, the demo areas to actually get the hands on with the MacBook Air M2 and the upgrades, uh, feature upgrades with iOS 16 and uh, macOS Ventura and watchOS and iPadOS. Well, there's there's quite a lot I want to unpack from that, but let's Mm -hmm. start where you did, which was actually being there at Apple Park in Cupertino. So mm. I saw pictures of you all had very nice DAC chairs, as you said, and factor 30 sun cream, and it all looked very civilized and enjoyable. Uh, there was live presentation from CEO Tim Cook uh, and the kind of software chief, Craig Frederighi, which, you know, who plays an increasingly big role in uh, these presentations, doesn't he now, Craig? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, which is maybe another discussion for a, for a separate show, but uh, it looks to me like he's being lined up as the next Apple CEO. But anyway, very much so. Uh, uh, it it was fascinating to see that there were people there. I was slightly surprised how little they made of the live bit. So, watching on the Apple website, you didn't see anything that was happening at Apple Park. You just saw Mm. that video that lasted nearly two hours, as you described. Uh, There was also another conundrum, actually, that when you were were trying to follow along on Twitter as well as the live stream, those of you in California were seeing things a good few minutes before the rest of us. So the M2 M2 MacBook reveal and things like that happened a lot earlier for you than than they did for us, which kind of gave a funny feeling to it, actually. That was both good and bad for those of us who were there. Good in the sense mm. that we obviously had the scoop for two full minutes or 90 full seconds uh, <laughs> of, of, you know, before all of you. 
On the other hand, in general, when we were trying to illustrate what we were talking about, and here it is, the MacBook Air M2, we had to wait a full 90 seconds for it to come up on the live screen, which we all had on our laptops, on our laps as well, to take the pictures from, to take the imagery and the video from, because there was no other way we could get the visual assets. So um, it, it was an interesting way of doing it. And I suppose that was kind of Apple's way of rewarding us too for actually being there uh, in, in person. But uh, it was a very, very odd, it was the purest form of hybrid conference, kind of in a way that only Apple could do. And I, I left it thinking, that maybe this is what Apple is going to do from now on. I'm a veteran of Apple uh, conferences. I've been to many WWDC events, many of the, the big September iPhone uh, launch events, and they've always been slick and professional. But I think during the pandemic, Apple hit a new level of presentation professionalism. Mm. With, and it's very hard to see how that can be matched with a return to on-stage, in-person uh, demos. The, the VT demos are a little bit better. So I think what's going to happen from now on is that you're going to have hybrid events where uh, some of us go, uh, but we're going really for the hands-on and we're going for the physical um, demos uh, ourselves that you can only get when you're there. Mm. I think that's right. Uh, and we actually said this, this has been discussed by people that cover Apple right from kind of the outset of Apple due to the pandemic, moving into these pre-recorded, as you say, highly, highly slick video mm. presentations. What actually ends up happening is Apple is, of course, in complete control of every element of it, which is exactly how they like things. You know, there's mm. no demonstration on stage that can go wrong. Mm. There, There is no you know, glitch that can happen. There's no delays that can happen. You know, all those, it's completely in Apple's gift. It can be edited and it clearly is and produced and it clearly is to within an inch of its life. And Apple is very happy about that. Yes, very much so. And not in a boring way as well. They do, particularly at an event like WWDC, there are a lot of developers there. They do have to go through some of the more arcane technical details because that's what a lot of their developers will want mm -hmm. to know, but they still manage to do it with aplomb. You mentioned Craig Federici being groomed for the top job. You will have seen on the VT, they've quite a sense of fun with Craig. He, he mm -hmm. lightens it up quite a lot. He is an unusual performer and being able to carry off you know, a bit of P.T. Barnum at the same time as addressing some of the deeper and heavier uh, technical uh, issues. He does that in person, by the way. I had, I had a, a briefing with him uh, personally uh, last, late last year on another issue. It was a privacy issue. There was a few of us in the room with him, maybe only four or five of us in the room with him. And it was quite technical and he was well able to handle the more technical, uh, regulatory, detailed uh, questions. So he's a very, very, I think you're spot on when you say that it looks like he's being lined up as the successor. It's very hard to see anybody else uh, taking mm. that role. Certainly internally, it seems impossible to me that there will yep. be anyone else. Yeah. Um, uh, he is very impressive. You He's a quite self-deprecating at points as well. He knows, you know, sort of, he gets the Hair Force One jokes. He knows that yeah. he gets it all. 
Um, yeah. And I think plays up to it in some ways. And yeah, no, he does come across well, both I can imagine in person as you're describing, and he certainly comes well in those those mm. videos. I think for you and I, cynical over this side of the Atlantic, uh, the kind of clean cut American yeah. uh, positive executive doesn't always fly in the same way, but he does it, it very, very well, doesn't it, he? It really doesn't. And if you were there, you would have had the same instinctive reaction to another element of the Apple event that all of us Irish and British uh, journalists did, and that is the applause that you get from employees and the whooping okay. when you walk through. Now, look, I'll take it for what it is. It's just a cultural difference between them and us, right? But there is an instinctive sort of grimace internally, I think, that a lot of us have <laughs> when employees who you sort of feel have been maybe prodded to whoop and applaud you as you walk by. Um, oh, this is the journalists. Everyone. So the developers, the journalists, anyone who's visiting. So there'll be a lot of volunteers there or staff oh, Apple employees. And their job in their little vest is to applaud you and whoop you as you go. It's not dissimilar to the Apple store uh, opening uh, when the big yeah. products first go on sale and the customer goes in and the staff applaud them and they whoop. <laughs> now, you know, like it's not necessarily my cup of tea, but I'm not so cynical as to think that it's just, you know, a complete stomach churner. I do think there is a cultural difference and I do think there is something to their, their, their culture mm. and their ethos that they do mean it in good faith. It's just, yes. uh, I suspect that you and I, <laughs> a little bit it's just, it's, it's, a just bit it's just a bit exotic yeah yeah yes isn't it well it's not exactly what journalists are used to being cheered no. is it uh, no. we're not quite used to that no. No. no um well thank you so much for kind of laying out what it was like on the ground there it seemed to work very slickly and people who oh, were yeah. there seemed to to enjoy it and had some benefit from being in person. And, you know, as you say, you've got to get your hands on the product, which is the most important thing. Really. And it's, all, it's also, if I just may just add, it, because it's post-pandemic, it's unusual that I'm saying this, but it's quite rare now that you get to see your fellow journalists. And I don't just mm. mean others on the beat. I mean, kind of stars as well. So... And stars in this day and age wouldn't be somebody from the Wall Street Journal or or the New York Times. It's you know Marquez Brownlee who's you know yes. just hang, hanging around beside you. It's Aaron, Mister Who's the Boss, who is sitting beside me. Very nice guy, by the way. Very polite uh, young man, if I may say so. Uh, very obliging, and, and uh, the people who were coming over wanted to meet him, um, and and people like that. And that's actually quite an underrated part of the whole experience as well as you you'll know from your various beats on on different things because it gives you a sense of camaraderie and it also gives you a sense mm -hmm. of something greater than the 500 words or the 20 minutes that you're filing on the issue uh so anyway it's worth mentioning i i quite agree um and journalism as it's been put to me before is a contact sport and mm -hmm. actually to be able to have contact with our, both your competitors and the people you're all mm. digging into is is immensely valuable and I, I think that is worth noting um quite nice to get to hang out with Marquez Brown as well which is always good Not, I imagine another nice guy, uh, yeah. yeah I'm sure he is but I assume the biggest key for selfies was with you Adrian pardon me <laughs> you uh, I, 
I'm assuming most people were keen for a selfie with you, though. Oh yeah, absolutely. Actually, there, do you yeah. know what? There was there was a moment when Tim, as he always does, he did a walk around and he was hanging sure. out. Lots of people went up and wanted a selfie, and I found myself in that position. Do I or don't I? And I didn't because I've interviewed him a couple of times, and I know some of the people around him. And I just thought, no, oh, that'll make me look too junior if I do that. Part of me did want to though. Yeah, listen, your secret's safe with us. Your secret's safe with us. Um, you mentioned the stuff that was rolled out there, mm. and there was a lot of it across iOS, across macOS, across watchOS, across oh. iPadOS. The one thing that was not mentioned in any shape or form, really, was anything involving the word TV. Yes, we didn't, that's right. We didn't see... I, I, I was on Magic Ray of light with Simon Judge quite soon mm. after the show we were talking about this and what did it all mean and I the more I thought about it over the week or so since the presentation I'm kind of struck that there was nothing there and more and more mm. convinced that what actually will happen is there will be going to be a big Apple TV and TV event some point later in the year but I was mm. struck that there was no trailer uh, for, for, for All Mankind which was launched the third series was starting that week I was shocked that no mention of TVOS was, yep. you know, mentioned at all. Um, I, you know, it was probably too much to expect a whole new box or dongle to mm. appear. But, you know, there was nothing. Was that something that was picked up when you were out there? To be honest, there was so much, relatively speaking, of the other stuff that it, it, mm. was, it was acknowledged, but it wasn't really dwelled upon i think we are expecting some new stuff later this year with tvs but i'd also wonder whether the reason is that well a couple of things tvos itself to me appears always to be sort of a fourth or fifth uh, thing with apple i mean mm -hmm. famously it started out as a side project and apple has tried to position it once or twice as a big thing, but it's never really kind of met its own ambitions um, in that regard. It may, mm. in the long run, at Tim Cook's prediction that the future of TV is an apps may well, uh, you could argue that it is uh, bearing fruit, but the some of the other short or medium term ambitions that it seems to have, particularly trying to replace cable and doing deals with cable companies um, doesn't appear to be bearing much fruit at the moment. There's nothing technically special about uh, the Apple TV kit itself. No. You know, it hasn't made any leaps and bounds. You could I, argue that... There are actual televisions that can offer you more or the same as the TV box. You don't really it. need... I, yeah. I, I can't really see a use case for most people yeah. anymore. Absolutely. So you could argue that in the race uh, of convenience and lifestyle uh, in terms of what you actually need from your TV, Apple is kind of falling behind in terms of the relevance of its own um, you know, set-top box. Mm -hmm. um, so, so no, there wasn't that much, there wasn't much chatter uh, among us. I mean, to be honest, most of the talk was around the, the actual hardware. It was around the laptop, the MacBook Air, because sure. MacBook Air is the world's best-selling laptop. Everybody is interested when a new one is uh, is built. Although in the English-speaking press, I'm sure you've covered this, but English-speaking press, the biggest thing that I noticed, being from a Euro-based country, Ireland, 
is how much more it is in euro than it is in uh, in, in dollars. So in, in pound sterling, I think it's twelve forty nine. Mm-hmm. In euro, it's fifteen twenty nine in euro, and it's eleven ninety nine dollars. So you you do the maths there, and you you even before tax and before VAT, there's a big gap now. So that has a major. Uh, that's a major signal that Apple may be about to significantly raise the non-US pricing of its of everything mm. later this year. It may be taking a bear approach, both on Euro and on Sterling, by the way. So that means the iPhone 14 maybe comes in at maybe 950 pounds or 1,029 euro or something like that. Yeah. Whereas it stays at maybe, you know, $879, you know. Um, it, yeah, it will be interesting to see. There's a lot of, I guess, a lot of factors that play into the pricing thing. And I, I wonder if we'll also see, obviously, the side I often focus on is the services side. Mm. And I wonder if we'll see any change in pricing on the services side, because at the moment, the you know, UK yeah. and US, the price you pay for the Apple TV Plus, you just changed the, um, you know, yeah. the currency symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's tweaked in other places of the world. But it, that will all be interested to see. But it did. Str- you're right to say that um, Apple has often treated TVOS and the related now related offshoots as kind of fourth or fifth peg. But there was another big media part of um, what we did learn at WWDC, which was around live sport, and we're going to get a live sport section within the news app. That's right. Okay. Now, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I wasn't. Did that? Were you interested in that? Did that excite you? I wasn't quite as excited about that as I thought I might be. With you know, someone like Amazon announcing a big deal with you know Premier League. But what what do you think that was exciting about that? So I was interested in it. Well, first of all, I should say I haven't. There's already a number of apps which do those things anyway. Yeah. Well, I could, you know, if I want to follow. Uh, my team or another team or yep. see the whole range of scores games going on that day it's a very very simple thing to do uh, and mm. apple news is not the first place i would look to go mm. for it why i was interested in it is that it's a kind of further evidence to me that apple is getting interested in live sports coverage across the board yeah. Yeah. and the thing that really struck me and i wrote about it in the aftermath of wwdc is it seemed to me that with that live sport offering which is included in apple news they talked about a premium offering for news plus subscribers but didn't really specify it. Mm. so it looks like you'll basically get this live sport stuff for free give or take mm. it looked to me like they were coming for the athletic which i thought that's i thought was interesting mm. Because mm. the Athletic, if you have the app on your phone or your iPad, you can pick the teams you wish to follow. You can get, uh, you know, live updates from games or from live news stories. You can score updates. Now they've updated that to offer more live offerings in the Athletic. So yeah. for me, what was interesting was Apple directly taking on this New York Times media mm. brand. Yeah, if that is indeed what its intention is, uh, then that would be significant. I always find with Apple that they will they will take a pass at an activity that somebody like the Athletic is doing without directly taking them on. They never put their 
uh, all of their eggs in one basket. Don't forget, the Athletic is a very granular type of a service. It's the most, mm-hmm. I mean, football fans joke about it uh, because it's it's as much about, they'll run an article on what kind of nylon fibers somebody is using in their socks or what kind of jam they eat uh, as much as, as, as analyzing a game or, or a player itself. And, and there is, it's kind of deliciously nerdy in that sense. So I think in terms of taking on that model, I suspect that the Athletic and New York Times is going to have the edge for some time to come. Apple's challenge in news has always been to get beyond the idea of it being, uh, you know, just a, 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 a curated collection of magazines and news feeds. Uh, no, people do do uh, rely on it and use it in the US more so than uh, other places in the world. I will regularly get texts from friends in the US and they'll be pointing me toward a news story and it's actually an Apple news link that they're, they're mm-hmm. sending me. But, you know, I, this side of the Atlantic, I'm not sure it's as exciting uh, or tantalizing a development as it is uh, over there. For some reason, Apple doesn't treat Europe um, in the same way, when, maybe it's because of an English-speaking thing. I don't know, but they—they don't—they've never done the same deals with European uh, news and media companies as they've done with Americans. No, and we we see this in all the talk and the expectations that Apple uh, will get the rights to show the NFL Sunday ticket, which is a yep. host of games, NFL games on a Sunday evening for our time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will obviously be another big move following on from its introduction into Major League Baseball. Baseball, yeah. Uh, which, you know, NFL is a, a huge asset. It will be very interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and it will be, I think, in lots of ways, a bigger test for it than baseball. And another thing that uh, we've seen in this kind of space is actually Apple Original Films, which is the kind of the Apple studio that is producing films for TV+, um, has got a deal with Nike. Mm. which is kind of fascinating. Nike has its uh, its own kind of development and production side to it. And they're going to be working on sports documentaries and films together to kind of inspire the next generations of athletes and celebrate the power of sport, according to Deadline. Which yeah. I find fascinating because, yes, Apple has done sports documentaries before. We've seen um which, you know, there are sports content on there. I'm not just talking about Ted Lasso. There's obviously... Mm. Uh, is the Call Me Magic, the Magic Johnson thing. There's the Greatness Code, um, which had all sorts of people from the UK and America and so on. Um, there's the Dynasty, uh, which is a New England Patriots documentary. So there, there's stuff going on there. It's obviously an area yeah. Apple is interested in. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I would say that if you were just doing the figure, running the numbers as to what is likely to be, you know, popular evergreen content, whether it's this year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, it is going to be sport. The, 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 mm-hmm. the lesson of most media in the last 10 to 15 years through the turbulent change uh, from cable and linear TV through to streaming and apps is that sport is the one constant that can keep everything afloat. It's the one thing that's almost always worth investing in. Um, well, it, it's, it, no. it's certainly the one thing that stops people uh, cancelling their cable subscriptions most yes. of the time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So maybe it's possible that Apple is 
has taken the long view, which it clearly did when it effectively uh, launched its own TV and movie uh, studio. And it's taking the long view that sport is an area that it can't ignore. It's probably looked at the figures from you know Netflix, Amazon Prime Video, and others that looked at the, the Jordan uh, sports biodocs, look at the kind of figures and the kind of people who uh, subscribe to those and who stay with the service uh, because of it. And it's probably a good way to build, may not even be a very expensive way to build um, uh, content because with Nike, like it has so many contracts with so many big stars. There are probably rights Mm. media rights built into that so it could be a very smart way of uh, of leveraging that so it, it may just be a this may just be a smart studio move yeah and uh, apple and nike also have kind of a little relationship on the apple watch side with you know the apple sports watch bands and some mm. faces so like these obviously two major companies two of the biggest companies in the world that have communication channels open and can work with each other quite happily as well mm, mm. yeah absolutely um I, I suppose when you start seeing products and a network align does there's something that goes off in my head that's not an entirely positive one um it's a little bit like the uh series on amazon prime video the boys where this one corporation owns pretty much everything including their mm -hmm. own network and um the idea of watching know apple and night content on an apple network but they're apple star of course it'll work but uh, i'm not entirely thrilled in one way that it might manifest itself but look i have no idea so let's wait and see it will be fascinating to see what comes out mm. of this because you can sort of imagine a world in which we get the sanitized best view yep. um, of i i suspect um, this may not have much relevance for listeners outside the UK and Ireland, but I suspect we're not going to start seeing equivalents of um, Sutherland till I die on. Uh, <laughs> you, know, no, but, you know, the really but what we, miserable but what we could side see, of sport. What we could see is either when Nike and or Apple, one or other or both, for example, make a fresh assault on the Chinese market, mm. and maybe there are Chinese stars. And if you are approaching a sports doc on one of them, there are other sensibilities that start to come into play in terms of cultural compliance, in terms of content rules, in terms of censors, in terms of who you have mm. to pass content by, who you cannot offend. And now I'm reaching way ahead here. There's nothing suggested along these lines. But it's not hard to see a... Uh, a scenario where something like that uh, becomes an issue. But look, I, I, I suppose let's just you know, wait and see and maybe enjoy uh, whatever. I'm sure whatever they're going to come up with first, they're going to promote heavily. So it will probably be quite interesting. I suspect it will be. I suspect the first thing will be more of a challenge to something like Amazon's All or Nothing uh, yeah. set of shows, which, you know, um, well, as long as it's not like the Liverpool doc that followed Brendan Rodgers around, I'll, I'll be happy. As long as it's nothing like any of that. This is, this is, uh, we don't need you to be upset now, Adrian. We've got, it's okay. Yeah. It's over. It's over. <laughs> Look, I'm not, okay. I'm not upset. Okay we'll, we'll save this for after the podcast, but I'm not upset. Exactly. But anyway. Um, but, you know, 
that all or nothing brand has been quite successful for Amazon. Yeah. Um, yeah. Less, not always so successful for the teams it features, but some of them are quite good. And uh, mm. so, yeah, I, I think Apple is looking to challenge that. You know, the, the Call Me Magic thing was obviously a direct response to the Chicago Bulls yeah. uh, season that ran mm. on mm. Uh, on Netflix. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think the underlying point that you make is the one that we should all bear in mind is this, all these different aspects of Apple and sports coverage come forward, mm-hmm. which is that it's one of the things that people will really play, pay a premium for and stay loyal to your service for. Yeah, very much so. And there's two points in that. One, Apple knows, as we all know now, that the streaming market is in play. We know that Netflix has probably maxed out on what the on its soft subscriptions uh, and that there are you know subscribers there to be lured away from it um, we know that disney plus is now probably the real monster uh, in the room uh, so apple has a shot at building a long-term video and movie audience that it's it's trying to do that but then the more important point and thing we always have to get back with apple is that services have always been to Apple a way essentially of selling hardware. Now, I know it seems like we're in a different era because it has a studio now and you know the services that it sells it's, its own division within Apple's quarterly earnings and it does like it makes an absolute fortune. But the basic thesis of Apple's having any services at all that it is there to essentially sell, you know, iPhones and Macs and iPads and Apple Watches, that still hasn't been challenged. That still is our basic understanding. Unless you might have a different theory on that. But the- uh, I, I think they still hold on to that. I think that is obviously still the fundamental of Apple. There's a reason why at its developers event, it revealed the next inter- iteration of the best-selling laptop in the world, because mm. hardware matters. Mm. Um, that is undoubtedly true. But I also think it is true that Apple has realized there are only so many people you can sell an iPhone to in one year. There are only so many people that are going to upgrade their phone or their laptop every Mm. year. And you have to find ways to maximize revenue from those people in the years where they're not buying an iPhone or a new laptop. And I think it's very clearly settled on services as the answer to that, everything from iCloud to TV. Um, And I don't, so I think what I don't think it's, services are quite as secondary as they once were. I mean, the figures would back you up in terms of how much money they actually make from services. And undoubtedly, you're right. Once you've sold the 1,000 euro, 1,000 pound iPhone, um, the game then is how to maximize, uh, how to get more money out of it uh, from them, because otherwise other companies will. So that is very much Apple's core business now as well. I was merely putting forward the idea that Apple TV Plus and Apple TV in general and the the entire notion of having a studio may still have somewhere an ulterior motive of trying to get you to buy Apple hardware down the line. The same way as as the the CarPlay stuff, the extended CarPlay stuff, Apple wanting Mm. to basically take over the inside screen of every inside screen yes. of, of, of a car. You or know, multiple is, screens. Um, oh, absolutely. Is that just Apple being a service provider to car companies or is it the precursor 
to it having a hardware play in that space. We don't know yet. But well, I think we assume there will be an Apple car. And I think it is, of course, true that Apple will already always gladly take your two and a half thousand dollars or whatever um, for for a new laptop. It will gladly take the $70 or £70 on a new Magic Mouse that you want to buy. It will mm. happily sell you a new $1,100 or $1,200 laptop every couple of years. It will do that. I just think it realises that now to keep hitting the numbers that it it has done in its you know in its earnings and so on, and to keep the value of the company at the huge level it is, um, it needs to offer those services. And of course, services are not required are not reliant on a supply chain in the same way. No, no, the, you're right. There, the, the, the one big advantage they have is there is not a factory in Taiwan or right. uh, China. Uh, or anywhere else that is uh, that can hold up the rollout of you know uh, iOS 16 or iPhone 14 well <laughs> iPhone 14 I mean I, it remains to be seen whether iPhone 14 will ship in the type of volumes that we exactly. think it will uh, for, for exactly those reasons but um I mean, absolutely. Um, but people will still pay to watch, can still pay to watch Ted Lasso, even if they don't have an iPhone 14. It's all going yes. to be very interesting, and I'm really grateful that you've taken some time and with some friends in the background. It sound like um, to uh, explain what was going on in Cupertino, to explain what you got from WWDC. I'm really, really grateful for your time, Adrian. Where can people keep up with you and your work? Yeah, yeah, independent.ie. You'll find me on Twitter as well at Adrian Weckler, at Adrian Weckler. That's brilliant. And I'm at Charlotte A. Henry on Twitter. You can, of course, get this podcast within Substack if you are listening to it there, or you can get it in any other podcast that where you normally listen to your show. So please do subscribe there, do share the show, and please also subscribe and share the newsletter. As I say, I wrote about Apple and its live sports play after uh, WWDC. So I will share a link to that in the show notes. Thank you once again, Adrian, for joining me and I'll see you all next week. Bye.